Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Happy Halloween, everybody. It's Halloween, October 31st, and uh, we got a podcast for you. Of course, we got to talk about USC's big win over California. It seems like a long time ago because it was Thursday. Uh, we waited over the weekend. We wanted to do our regular podcast on Monday. Hope you guys are enjoying your Halloween. Be safe out there. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Or you can leave a voicemail, 641-715-3900 is the number, and our extension is 816646. Our website is peristylepodcast.com. You can leave a voicemail there as well. We're on iTunes. Please subscribe. Uh, leave us some positive feedback and a rating. It's great. Helps propagate the show to other Trojan fans out there. iTunes.com slash peristylepodcast. We're also available on all the other platforms, Audio Boom, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play, and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of different ways you can consume the Peristyle Podcast. We really appreciate you listening, and we appreciate our guest, our co-host here, Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. What's up, Coach? How you doing? I'm circling in a satellite, and uh, <laughs> sometimes it breaks up when it comes back to Earth, you know? <laughs> I don't think you ever come back to Earth, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, great. It's been a great weekend uh, as far as, you know, enjoying all of college football and, of course, enjoying the big Trojan victory over Cal. And, uh, yeah, Ryan, you said at the beginning of the show, it seems like a long time ago that they played this football game. And uh, I don't know how many questions have to do with what happened uh, in that game, but uh, I'm ready to address anything people have. Yeah, certainly we got some questions about the game. Um, it's, you know, kind of a weird, it's been a weird couple of weeks just being off schedule, you know, having the Thursday night game, a few extra days off for the coaching staff and the players. And now they're getting back into it, a homecoming game against Oregon coming up on Saturday. I just want to let people know we're actually giving away a free tailgate through a tailgate, con- tailgater concierge. If you go to our website, um, uscfootball.com. And go into the little forum tabs, the USC Sports Freeboard. There's a pinned thread up there that you can win the tailgate. All you have to do is go to that thread in our on our message board, the USC Sports Freeboard, and just reply to it. So all you have to do is reply to that thread, and you'll be entered to win. It actually ends uh, Tuesday at midnight. So if you guys want to win a free tailgate party for the Oregon game, uh, you can do that. It's on uscfootball.com on our free uh, message board. And I also want to thank our sponsor for today, Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com. Uh, no more Dodgers games. Uh, you can get World Series tickets if you want to, if you want to go out there and head to the Midwest. There's only two games left or potentially two games left for that. But, of course, homecoming, more home games, UCLA game uh, for USC or any games across the country. You can go to sctickets.com or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287. Tell, your, tell Curtis, Coach Harvey Hyde sent you. I don't know. Hopefully they give them a deal if they say that, Coach. Oh, they do. It's big time. So make sure you mention it. <laughs> Tell Curtis the coach said to put you in the starting lineup. Nice. Um, well, Co- Coach, uh, it's been a little while since we, you know, the, the Cal game. It, the reaction, I want to give you this is a f- overall feedback from some of the questions we get, some of the tweets we get, posts on the message board. It's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, this was a 21-point win, um, but there were a lot of penalties, 13 penalties, 125 yards, uh, you know, three turnovers, losing the turnover margin again. But it was still a 21-point victory over Cal, a team that, you know, has, has won some big games this year. Um, but the fans are still kind of uneasy. I, I'm not sure anything's going to quench the thirst of the fans Unless USC beats Washington. It just seems like that's what's going to have to happen. Every time USC gets a good win, people are kind of downplaying the opponent. It's just this weird bag right now. I don't know if you've sensed that from the people you've talked to as well. 
Well, you know, you always want uh, people always point out the negatives. I do the same thing. I think we all do as far as things you have to improve on. And as a coach, you do that. As far as the victory, you come in and you look at it and you say, "Hey, we won this game. It's great." But how can we improve on these certain areas? We 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 made some mistakes. We did some things that weren't done well, but we were good enough to win. And I think that's the one thing you have to look at. You have the players to be able to be successful at USC. They always play hard, which is something that's very uh, good for your football team. They don't let up. They play hard. They do uh, have excessive penalties, but you're good enough to overcome those. You have to eliminate them if you're planning on beating Cal. You can't beat yourself against great teams. When you're better than another team, like they're better than Cal, you can do that. You can't turnovers in the game. But again, you were good enough to win the football game. You look at the positive sides of it. You said we had we have 600, over 600 yards in total offense. You have 400-plus yards at halftime. You've got a quarterback that now has wheels and can run and direct your offense. You're now starting to take advantage of all your receivers. You're spreading the field. You're starting to find out what's the best thing to do against different coverages. You're starting to find your tight end. You've got to get your tight end really more involved into the offense and understand the coverages and understand why the running game is working better. And we don't want to go through all that, but most of the things we're talking about are things that we have discussed in the past. As far as these are the things that need to be done in order to make you a better football team on offense. And it's starting to come that way. Now if they continue to progress and they continue to improve on the coaching techniques as as well as the players and clean up on uh, the penalties and be more uh, uh, secure on your uh, uh, turnovers and, and ball conscious and all of the different things and the tight end and and everything that's there, then you are becoming a better football team. And I think USC is becoming a better football team on and off the field. The same thing as defensively. Yes, defensively, you, you do make some mistakes, but you've got to be able to continue improving on the coverages and improving on the contain and improving on your tackling and doing the things that become a, make you a better football team. And the offense is making the defense better. But the offense is giving a chance for the defense to rest. The defense now has confidence in the offense, which brings confidence to the entire football team. you still got to clean up some things on the special teams, like you can't miss field goals in big games. You can't have bad snaps on field goals in big games. You can't kick the ball out of bounds in big games. You can't have holding on the big putt returns in big games. And you can't have celebration penalties. And you can't have these type of penalties that beat yourself it's a lot of little things that make a difference but when you add up all the little things it makes it a big giant thing so i think right now they need to clean up on a few of these things but if you play hard and you have players and you take advantage of your players and you you improve on the coaching and in areas you need to improve on hey you got a chance so I think the Oregon game, and one thing i got to say, Ryan, I don't know if anybody's going to ask this question, but 4 p.m. is a great time for homecoming. Yeah. The, the television was good to us, and uh, you'll be able to get there, have good tailgating and everything, and the weather should be good, they say. So should be a great homecoming against the University of Oregon. Yeah, that just uh, everyone was complaining because they weren't didn't know the time of the game because of television, but came out uh, on Sunday, 4 p.m., uh, pretty much ideal, I think, for homecoming. So good, good for everybody. It won't get me home at two in the morning or anything. So, uh, that is nice, <laughs> personally, because we have to stay afterwards a long time after the game. But let's, uh, jump into the question. So this first one, coach, we have a voicemail question and, um, he doesn't like the defense so much. Here you go. Hello, Ryan and coach Hyde. Don from Upton, California. This comment is directed towards coach Hyde. Coach, the defense is not playing very well. The tapping is not what it should be. I saw several times in the Cal game a 170-pound back being hit and moving the power four, five, six yards downfield. What's up with that? Also, I've seen Marshall at the cornerback position being beat deep a lot. 
with the safety either not coming over to provide support or getting there too late. Finally, there just doesn't seem to be pressure on the quarterback in the passing situations. A good quarterback will pick the secondary apart if he isn't pressured. I just don't see Port Augustine getting to the quarterback from the outside or the D-line getting to the quarterback. This puts pressure on the secondary to cover receivers downfield. Coach, a defense that plays well wins games. If USC is to win out the season, they're going to have to step up their defensive play in the areas that I have mentioned. Also, stop committing those stupid, silly penalties. Don, fight on. Well, that that sort of sums it up. I, I think that you've been saying or you're asking the questions, and I'm agreeing with you on all the areas that need to be improved on. And we have discussed this too uh, many times, but let's go back and review it. First of all, let's take Marshall, I know, uh, in the secondary. I, I've said now for the past two years that I don't believe he's a, a corner. You've heard me say this all along. I think he's an inside safety type of guy or, a physical guy, and not only that, a rush-end type of guy, like this Peppers person that's playing at Michigan, and not as returning punts like he does and so on, but as far as getting to the football, he's not a running back, but he's a physical big kid that you want on the line of scrimmage and, and playing. Now, Coach Helton likes him because he's a very physical corner and can come up and stop the run and do this and that, but he doesn't have the confidence as playing a corner when you want to play someone one-on-one, and he uses arms a lot as far as because he doesn't feel comfortable in covering the deep pass. I agree with you also on the safety situations. When you're when you're when you got safeties back there, those safeties have got to get over and help you deep. And you've got to be able to have the confidence that if the ball is in a position that you can't get to that your safety's going to knock that ball away. That's what it is. We used to call our our safeties guys that could play uh center field in baseball. They like to get over there and then tap it away and sometimes get in front of it and be able to make that interception, but they're basically a fly swatter. Knock the ball away, knock the ball away, let your corners understand they've got help deep. Uh, as far as tackling, uh, right, uh, Muhammad is a, was a very small back, but a, a very quick back, and if you remember when he ran in the, in the state as far as in a sprinter, he was one of the fastest in the state of California, and he sometimes get, gets lost behind the, uh, the, the big offensive lineman, and you can't see him, and he hits that hole so quickly, and he runs very low, so it's hard to get a real smack on him. And if you get, uh, you know, you sometimes are not really tackling with your shoulder and arms. You're you're dragging him to the ground, and he's dragging you a yard or two farther. I agree with that 100%. It's yards after tackle or yards after first contact that counts for running back. and And that's very, very important to do especially when you twist and turn, and today with the help of offensive linemen being able to push the running back, it certainly does assist in all these short yardage situations, and those extra yards really make a difference. So, yeah, you got to practice that, and it's hard to do because the backs today are so skilled that these backs today have great moves, and you're afraid to make a, a real hard hit on them because they'll make a move, and, and you'll miss them completely, and they'll make the big play on you. So, yeah, I agree. You've got to be able to secure your tackle and knock those guys down. But again, you got to make sure you're in a position too to not allow a big play. But the best way to stop that is at the line of scrimmage before they get started. If you stop a back at the line of scrimmage before they get started, then they can't utilize all their top skills and athletic ability when they get in space. I think that's the best way to, to answer this type of question. As far as the what was the other question? There was four parts of this question, Ryan. Yeah, there was too many. <laughs> no, no, I, I want to answer. Was it the defensive line? I mean, one was the well, corner, getting Marshall. getting pressure on the quarterback. Um, oh yeah, I agree with that. How long have we been talking about that? We've been talking about if you stunt and you blitz and you do the things that USC does, you've got to contain, which means you've got to force the quarterback back to where all your pressure's coming from, and the pressure's coming from the inside. So you've got to be able to contain, and we've been talking about the left side, who is Port Augustine. He doesn't get off the football really as quick as what you might do, and you should have to probably substitute in passing situations. Third and long yardage, you've got to put somebody in there that can jump across the line of scrimmage and beat your 
offensive tackle to the position of where you're able to contain. And uh, they have been hurt by losing contain an awful lot. And you're not getting the rush you should be getting on the, uh, as far as pressuring when you're stunning. And uh, I agree with that 100%. I've talked about that many, many times, and we've got to keep talking about it. The other one, I believe the question was the coverage and getting to them and, and what's happening in the secondary. Well, today you really read the secondary a lot on what side is playing man, what side is playing zone. And you look at when you come out, you're predetermined by reading the secondary, by putting uh, people in motion where you see if it's a man or if it's a, a zone where you're able to decide on what route and you uh, select that receiver. And this receiver then runs a route that is complementary to the defense, which means he tries to find the open hole or whatever route they've decided they'll run against a certain coverage. So uh, I, I, I always say that if you're gonna if you're gonna you know go after people, get them play a tight man, and at least have the confidence that my DB is better than your receiver, and I'm going to take away any short route where you're not going to nickel dime me to death. And uh, that's that's something they haven't done. They do it they do it a lot, but not enough. And they they've had success. Their opponents and throwing a lot of short passes. Look how many times how many times did Cal go deep? How many times did these other teams go deep on USC? They really haven't, but they haven't had to. They throw a lot of short passes all the time. And against Cal, fortunately, Cal's receivers dropped a lot of passes and uh, stopped a lot of their you know, ball control type of offense, which they do with the passing game. So, uh, yep, I think they got to tighten up their coverages. They got to contain on the defensive side of the football and uh, get a little bit more push on the uh, front four guys or front two guys. Really, a lot of times they're only running, rushing front two guys. And, you know, those guys got to have run responsibility too and draw responsibility. So, uh, uh, and then mix it up and continue to play and move the ball on offense and allow your defense to, to make the adjustments and do that the entire game. But that's the way I can answer your question. Uh, you, you got a lot there to, for me to answer in a short period of time, but thank you very much for calling. We have uh, kind of along those lines, Tark wants to know, why is it Clancy Pendergast blitzing more? It seems like the quarterbacks have all day to throw. They do get seem to get pressure, Coach, when they do blitz. Well, they do get pressure, and they have had success in, in blitzing. And I've always said it's, uh, you don't always have to get to him, but you've got to make him aware that you're going to be in his face and you can knock down passes and and uh, you're, you're, you're going to hurry his throws. And when a guy doesn't feel comfortable in the pocket, then his timing is off with his receivers. And you're eliminating a lot of routes. When you put pressure on a quarterback because there's a lot of crossing routes and, and routes that you can't run because it takes time to to run those routes. But again, you've got to be able to get to the quarterback. Otherwise, you can't cover all day. Eventually, those receivers are going to get open. So when you do decide to go after someone and when you do decide to blitz, then you got to make sure you contain him and you get to him or hurry his throw or tip the ball or get his timing off or force them to do certain types of plays that uh, just give you, uh, uh, you know, it takes away a lot of their offense. So yeah, I like it, but you got to mix it up. You can't do the same thing all the time. Got to show blitz, not blitz, show stunt, not stunt. Uh, do different things with your defensive front. So I've always said this. Uh, if and you've heard me say this, and I think if you are ever an offensive player, if I know where you're going to be, I'm going to be more successful. I'm going to be able to be able to uh, dissect you better. But if I don't know where you're going to be when the ball snaps, then it's harder for me as an offensive lineman, as a quarterback, as a running back as anybody on the offensive side of the ball. We have a couple of Sam Darnold questions, Coach. Percy wrote in said, he wants to know, uh, how would you help Sam Darnold with ball control? Or is it worth the risk since he puts up so many points for the team? Well, you know, let me, let me tell you, uh, I think Sam Darnold uh, is coming along great. You know, he's a young player, and he can't be perfect, okay? But he makes up for his his airs, and he comes out of the game, and you don't see him all shook up. You don't see him, oh, hang his head. You know, he wants to get back in the game, and he's going to carry the ball again. I'm not going to discourage him at all. In that one drive when they went 80 yards, he carried the ball two times on third down plays, ran right up the middle because they're playing uh, man defense, 
and uh, the, the receivers are running down the field, and defensive backs have turned their back to the line of scrimmage, and he sees all this open area, and he just runs out and gets that first down. So you can't take that away from him, because this is what USC has added to their offense. they got a quarterback with wheels that can run. They can even run him a little bit more. Believe me, on some of the run reads and zones that they're running, I, I would even let him run the ball a little bit more, because he can do it. He's a big, physical type of kid. And eventually, when you get hit a lot, you learn how to get hit. You're not going to fumble the football, and he's got to learn to secure it. I would say that's the last thing that he works on every day in his game plan or practice schedule is stripping the ball and, and this and that. They'll, they can work some on that, which they will, uh, but I don't think they've worked much on that. But he's got to learn to secure the football and know that these back today part of tackling or linemen or linebackers the whole skill of it is ripping the football, rip the football on the way down, rip the football. So he's got to secure the football, and, and he'll secure the football. It's just going to take some time for him to pick this up because he hasn't run against college-style type of speed and technique of stripping the football. They try to do it in high school, but not at the at level of what they do in college. So, you know, you, uh, you're going to let him run, and, you, and if he has a turnover, unfortunately, it's a turnover – but you can't take take the game out of the kid. Well, speaking of that, John had a question from San Jose. He said, should someone teach Sam Darnold how to slide? He always seems to try to push for that extra yard, as shown against Cal when he lost his helmet. He's putting himself at risk of a concussion and possibly losing playing time to injury. John in San you know, Jose. Yeah. You're right, John. And I think, Ryan, you saw the same thing. I thought he did get a concussion. I mean, he did take a strike to the head, and when he got up, I was saying, uh-oh. And uh, he went off the field and, and came back. Yeah, you got you have to teach a guy how to slide. and You know, you got to tell him you can't do it all. Uh, he's the, that's, just, that's just the type of player he is. He's, he, he's just that type of player. He doesn't want to slide. To be completely honest with you, he wants to deliver the blow, not take the blow. He does not want to slide. That's why he's doing a halfway slide, because when he's running the football, he's saying, I know I'm supposed to slide. I know I'm supposed to slide, but I don't want to slide. I want to get that extra yard and put my shoulder pad to his shoulder pad. Believe me, that's what's in this kid's mind. He's that type of player. He wants that extra yard. But down the road, you're going to have to teach him, yes, I know, I know, I know, but you're a great target being a quarterback. But He feels he's just as big as some of these guys that are tackling him, and he's been on the defensive side of the football, so he knows what it feels like. It feels good to hit somebody but he's got to learn to change that up and it's just part of the game that he is going to have to learn and uh, but he's that's the comp the competitiveness in him he doesn't want to uh, slide he wants to run over you and that's what a great player wants to do we have uh don he said sam Darnold's success as a redshirt freshman should give usc a recruiting boost it shows that talented players can contribute early it gives incoming recruits an exciting quarterback that hopefully will lead SC to some very successful seasons. It gives Helton an opportunity to share his philosophy that you can contribute early. It looks like Helton will remain, so let's make the most of it. The bigger issue with Helton is his refusal to admit mistakes. His comments about his decision to punt in the Utah game is still worrisome to me. Fourth quarter of Arizona game still leaves doubts about his coaching abilities after first, uh, th- first three uh, after the first three, Arizona was totally out. I'm sorry, his outmatched talent-wise. Uh, fourth quarter was somewhat equalized, and execution and play calling left something to be desired. Keep up the good work. Coach Hyde seems to be on the money with his post-game analysis and his pre-game strategy from Don. Well, Don, you know, if you've been listening to our podcast re- uh, regularly, we started the year, and my main conversation was, you don't learn on the job at USC. And unfortunately, this is Coach Helton's first head coaching job. Unfortunately, it's T. Martin's first offensive coordinator's job. Unfortunately, it's the defensive line coach's first coaching position. Not that he wasn't a great player, but not, you know, there's the difference of playing and coaching. So he has a new staff. So the new staff has to learn to work together. And this has been a process 
that has been improving and trying to get where you are as a head coach, an assistant coach, as a coordinator, as a special teams coach, as a whole thing. Now, the Alabama game, we're going to give that up, okay? But right now, the way USC is playing, and I hope continues to improve the play, they would love to replay Utah. They'd love to replay Stanford. They would beat both those teams. But they can't do that. So now they've got to learn to continue to improve and not look back, but look forward as a coaching staff and as a team and making sure you put your players in a position where they can demonstrate their talent and not think about playing, but play. And I've always said, don't have a player come to the line of scrimmage and think, what do I do on this play? You're taking the athletic ability out of this player. So I think they're starting to do that more. And there's a more of a rhythm, and they're trying to find an identity. For a while, when you'd ask me, what offense are they running? And I would tell you, I have no idea. I have no idea what offense they're running. But now it's starting to form a little bit into a pattern of what they're trying to do, and it's starting to be successful. It's a lot more simpler than what it was, and it's now fitting more or less the offense that they haven't changed really. It's just the personnel they put in a position where it can be more successful with the play calling they're doing, with having an athletic quarterback, by a lot of the things that they're doing. So they're becoming a better football team. And the same thing on defense. If you remember earlier, they were blowing the assignments completely all over the field, double blitzing and not covering the guy. And that was uh, with a McCaffrey going on the sideline on that wheel route with nobody else. That You don't see that now happening. Now they got to clean up a lot of the, you know, ball security and penalties and continue growing as far as the staff and working together. And uh, it'll come. But that's the reason it's where it is and where it was, is everyone for the first time is doing a lot of first. And now it's starting to get where he, Coach Helton, is understanding his role. The coordinators are more or less starting to understand their role. The players are starting to understand their role. And they're really playing out. I had a chance to be with Coach Helton on Friday, and I enjoyed it very much. And... One thing he said where he felt very encouraged, and when you lose a game, you're not encouraged, but he was, is after the game, one of his players came up to him. He didn't identify who the player was, and he said, Coach, we're sorry for losing this game for you. He says, we're sorry for losing this game, but, Coach, we're not going to lose these type of games for you anymore. He says, then I knew, then I knew that we had some kids who cared and we were still there, and we could still go for it. So he has he has these type of uh, moments where the he's a play he's a player's coach. He really is. He is a hell of a person as far as when you get to know him and spend some time with him. But part of the other thing he's learning as far as this huge position he's in, and he's in a huge position. Uh, and and a lot of people, that's like taking someone and making him president of the United States, and he had any experience ever in politics. That's pretty tough to do. So he's doing it, and he's coming along. And if you, and uh, like someone said a moment ago, uh, he's doing a good job now and adjusting to it. You got to just hope it continues. And believe me, you can be Washington if he does that, and you clean up things, of course. All right. Yeah. So you, uh, he's. Coach Helen spoke at the quarterback club in Pasadena, right? Right. Uh huh. Yeah. So that was good. It was absolutely fantastic. I spent a lot of time talking to him before. I had a chance to introduce him and uh, told people what I thought of him. Not as far as uh, you know, he's coached here and he's coached there, but the type of person he is and what he's going through and what he's doing and why he came. And here he was at quarterback club at eleven thirty Friday morning. In Pasadena, I probably got to bed or sleep around 3, 3 a.m. because I was worked up after a game. The game wasn't over with till late. He got home at 3 a.m. after the game, watched the game, film at home, got up, uh, slept for a couple hours, and was there at the quarterback club early. Drove himself, didn't come with an entourage, came in. I met him. We talked for a while and did a tremendous one-hour one hour talking, answering everybody's question, 
in the entire place. It was absolutely fabulous. Stayed around, signed autographs, took pictures with everybody. We had a packed house, and we told everybody was going to be there, so it was an opportunity for you to come and really have a chance to hear someone speaking, not in a press conference, but speaking about the team himself, his staff, and everybody. It was a really, really a nice event. Well, that's great, Coach. Uh, he, did he talk about listening to you on the podcast? <laughs> no, I brought that up to him, though. <laughs> I, I, I did. I said, uh, I did. I said, uh, the first time we met uh, was uh, at the Salute to Troy. You were an assistant coach at that time, and, and you came over to me and said, Coach, I listened to the show on Sunday morning. Uh, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. He says, I remember that. He says, I remember that. And then I, we went on. Because, Ryan, you know I'm not one that, that I go to practice, but when practice is over, I leave. I don't talk to any of the players. I don't talk to any of the coaches. And uh, that's just what the relationship I want to have. But I had uh, a great opportunity to talk with him about coaching, about this and different things. And uh, it was a great moment after a victory when everyone is in a good mood, including everybody. But he asked everybody in the room, how many of you went to the game last night? And three-quarters of the room raised their hand and said, we were there. And he thanked them all for coming. And he said, it really makes a difference when you guys get into the game. It really makes a difference. So it was, it was down and personal. It was really good. It was, it was just a, a nice uh, uh, afternoon. Uh, I guess there was a couple of media people there. We didn't ask if there was or not, but some people did report some of the things he said. Uh, let's go. So we got a few more questions. We'll try to do them quick because, uh, but that was a great story. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Um, we got Nick, big Nick from Cyprus. Uh, he says, do you think there's a difference in the running game from early in the season, uh, till now, especially with Ronald John, uh, with, 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 with Ronald Jones, uh, fight on. Thanks for love what you guys do. Big Nick. Well, yeah, I think there's a lot of difference in the running game. Jones got 223 yards and 18 carries. Ware got 130 yards, and uh, I don't know how many carries he had. And Donald threw five touchdown passes. And, and, and yeah, I think uh, there's a lot to do with the passing success, too, as a running game. Because when you run the football, your play-action pass has so much to do with it. So they have to believe in the run. You guys can run the football, and you're having success against us. So that makes a lot of difference as far as, having the whole team become more successful. I think that uh, the defense that they've been running against hadn't been the, uh, has been, hasn't been the best, but when you're successful, let's take it the way it is. And you gain success with your backs and linemen and so on when you have success. Uh, I think that the, 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 what they're doing offensively, too, is what's giving them the, their success. How many times have you heard me say that when backs run laterally, they're not finding the hole as quickly as when they're running more towards the line of scrimmage and they're being able to find the hole in the seam and take it and go. And you're running north and south rather than east and west. But if you notice when you watch the games, the backs are running more north and south and hitting the hole. And if they are running laterally, they're taking the ball from like a deeper type of position, almost like an eye offset. And they're taking that ball and able to go towards the line of scrimmage and read the offensive lineman's blocks and hit it and get there with the timing of when the guard comes around on the play that there's contact between the guard and the linebacker and the back is there. The back is there right there to take advantage of the block, not late or not being able to see that scene. So I think that's one thing that's really assisted a lot with the offensive line in the running game. And also the number one thing that I think's really helped, you've heard me say this, and I hate to repeat myself, but I've been saying all along, the rotation. Don't rotate the backs. When you had Justin Davis in there, he was getting a lot of turns. And the running game was going better because of the, the, the rhythm and because you're seeing what's happening and the timing with your linemen and all of the above. Now the same thing with Jones. And the same thing with where uh, you're seeing the timing and you're seeing the blocking in, in, in speed situations where it's, you can't do that in practice because there's more adrenaline and there's different players you're playing against. So you, now you see that happening. It's, it's where you 
know what to do, but you've done it before, and you ran the same play several times, not one time a game, and then you go in the next time, and it's another play. So I think this is what's helped the running game, too. So it's a combination of it all. Uh, Earl in West L.A. wrote in, Coach. He said, I'm trying, uh, I'm trying to be impressed by the way our Trojans have played the last four games. The Arizona schools and Cal look pretty pathetic against us. I try to remember we beat Colorado, a team that's looked good against everyone, including Michigan. Everybody seems convinced we will lose to Washington. What I've seen the last four games suggests we can beat anybody, but I have this lingering doubt that anybody doesn't include Washington. What do you think? Earl in West L.A. Well, Earl in West L.A. right now, Washington has a lot of confidence on who they are, what they're doing, and they're very good at what they're doing. Uh, they they had to really play hard to beat Utah this last weekend. Well, remember USC went to Utah and really played hard too. And if they hadn't had a couple of turnovers, or I mean, I'm not sure if there were three or four turnovers in that game, and a 16-second, uh, last-second uh, pass touchdown that Patrick caught that maybe USC would have won that football game. So I, I think that uh, Washington's an excellent football team, and I think that USC is an excellent football team with great athletes, and I think that Washington was just farther ahead because of Chris Peterson's system offensively and defensively and the coordinators and everybody being together and understanding what they are and who they are and what they're trying to do on the reads and and all of that. And they are a physical type of football team up front, but they didn't have physical Utah up front. So I think that, you know, USC played Utah pretty hard, pretty well. So I think that if USC completely continues to grow, that they can improve more than Washington can improve or more than Utah can improve because they're still improving. They're still improving as a staff. They're still improving as a team. Now, I'm not telling you they're going to beat Oregon. I'm not telling you they're going to beat Washington or Notre Dame or UCLA. Each game is a different game. But if they continue to improve and get a little help from Utah beating Colorado or from Colorado getting beat by UCLA, this week, everyone better be cheering for the Bruins. That gives the Colorado team their second loss. And then USC automatically would go to the front. Uh, that would be great. So I think that's really, really important that Colorado gets their loss. And then Colorado beats Utah. you got to have Colorado beat Utah that, because Utah beat USC. I don't know. You can figure all that stuff out. Right. But, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But I think I was right on the last assumption. But, uh yeah, I think they can play with those people. Now, playing in their house is going to be difficult, but they played in a difficult house at Utah. Yeah, Utah is the same type of noisy type of situation that Washington is. But if you play well, uh, you get you gain confidence. So let's don't talk about Washington yet. Let's talk about Oregon. They scored 56 points this past weekend against Arizona State, and they. Uh, I saw the odds this morning. They opened up a 14-point favorite over Oregon. So it's more or less going to be another type of a Cal football game. You're going to face an offensive football team that runs the ball, probably has better running backs, better skilled players than Cal has, but a younger quarterback than what Cal had. Uh, defensively, they've struggled the entire year. USC should get a lot of points. So it's late on the defense again. The defense held Cal. The 24 points, about 20 points below their average that they've been getting the entire season. So I think that right now this is what the process is, and they got to get ready to play Oregon in a homecoming football game. Or, Cal or Washington means nothing. Rex had a question, Coach. He said, hey, Ryan and Coach Hyde, love the podcast. Listen to them all with great anticipation. It's been good to see USC get some wins, but the last couple of teams in particular were very weak. Uh, both. Uh, it's been good to see, I'm sorry, both teams, uh, that had a ton of injuries. I think we have made some progress, but there are two particular things that still bother me a lot when I watch our games. Last game, we ripped off huge runs, uh, for most of the game, which was fantastic. However, on the few plays where we were in short yardage situations, it seemed like Cal was able to get penetration and hit the running back as soon as he was getting the ball. It's disturbing to me that the 
that with Cal playing third and fourth string guys that we would struggle at all on short yardage, which has been a theme the entire year. The other thing that really is an issue is that the defense continues to let other teams break off some fairly long runs, particularly the small, fast guys like Muhammad from Cal. Oregon is full of small, fast guys, so that's a problem in my opinion. Can Coach address the ways to fix these issues? Fight on from southwest Georgia, land of the SEC Kool-Aid drinkers. That's Rex. Okay. Uh, First of all, Ryan, you've always heard me address the jumbo type of offense, the short yardage pride that you do. You go to every practice, okay? Uh, I think it's important you address short yardage all the time. Now, I'm not saying they don't address it. They probably do. But there's certain things that you do that you say when we get in this formation and we do certain things, we will not be denied. We will not be denied. And I think there's got to be a lot of emphasis on that, the short yardage type of situation. USC has a lot of confidence in throwing the football down short of the goal line, and they do a good job at that. Uh, but I think you also have to put the fear in people that when they see you come out and they see your size of your lineman and they see you're in a, a power type of set or whatever you want to call it, double end, double too tight with with uh, your third tight end in there and whatever, I back that uh, they know that you mean business. Now, out of that, there's so much you can do play-action-wise and all the different things, backs in the flat and so on, that it's very difficult to stop. Well, USC has not really ever emphasized that type of thing. So unless you really work on the short yardage situation and get in a formation where you can protect your backs from being knocked down like blocking the inside and taking away all the necessary seepage in the gaps, and you go ankle to ankle, and instead of stepping laterally, you fire straight off like you hit the sled, and you take people backwards, that when people jump over the top, you have someone smacking the linebacker, that you really don't get that short yardage because you don't work on it as much. And I'm not saying they don't work on it, but they don't work on it in the type of formation that I've always con- considered as something for a short yardage. So, yep, they sometimes they do have that problem, and, and they don't. And, in fact, I always wonder if they're going to make it. Uh, like when they come out and it's fourth and a half a yard and they're going for it. Myself, I don't really have that, oh, they're going to make this. Uh, you've got to wait and see. Uh, I like to have the feeling that we're going for it and we're going to make it. So it's building. And the only way you get that feeling is by getting the success of being successful at doing that. So you've got to be able to practice it. You've got to be able to do it in games so you know you're going to make it. And then out of that, you come out of there with a play-action pass occasionally, but you come out on the third and one in that type of formation, you might not run the ball. You might play-action pass out of that play, but you can come back on the fourth down and then run it, or whatever, or run two times in that formation. So you got to have that going, and we addressed earlier the smaller back as far as tackling the smaller back. There are more smaller type of receivers now playing the game, especially in the slot type of position. Uh, and there are more smaller running backs with great speed playing today. So you've got to be able to stop them before they get started. And I think that's the way you stop a, a very fast type of offensive person. All right. Sorry, we got two more if you got time, Coach. We had a lot of questions My today. My goodness, you guys are wearing me out. I know. Sorry. Uh, Tim from Costa Rica. We love the international questions. He said, love your podcast. Keep it up. Been thinking about this one for some time. I'm always so impressed with Coach Hyde's comments and insights into how this USC team and program is headed. His knowledge and fundamental football strategies, preparation and execution are just exceptional. The program should uh, not just be focused on Pac-12 championships or even a one national championship, but developing a culture that other schools know they have to go through USC every year for any championship. My question is, does anyone at USC ever listen to Coach Hyde? Uh, he had answers this year uh, way before they were finally implemented into the game plan. Do you know if Clay is mentored and or advised uh, consistently by anyone? Fight on. Uh, fight on, Troy. That's from Tim in Costa Rica. Well, I don't know if anybody listens to my shows or the podcast or anything I do, but I'm very consistent on being honest. And as I always tell everybody, it's just my opinion. There's many different ways of doing things. There's many different ways of winning. And, of course, 
I've always told people the way you got there is, is make sure you stay there. And, and remember, your vote counts more than anybody else as a head football coach because uh, you're going to take the uh, all the blame. You might not be given all the positive things, but you're going to take all the blame. Uh, so I don't know if anybody listens to anything. So I'm talking to you people out there, and, and uh, sometimes we're right on what we're saying, and sometimes we're not. But right now we're we're moving along. We're trying to. I'm trying to tell all of you exactly my thoughts on it, as I do all season around when we talk about recruiting and we talk about different issues on our show. And I talk most of it. I speak about it mostly through the experience I've had coaching 25 years and having to adjust to uh, all kinds of different situations from coaching changes to hiring coaches to firing coaches to having to put kids on, you know, suspension and things that, that hurt you as a head football coach. I mean, no one the hardest thing to do is relieve someone of their coaching responsibility or suspend a kid, but sometimes you have to do those things. So uh, I don't know. What, what, what did he want me to say, Ryan? What, what area did you want me to emphasize? <laughs> No, I don't know what he. No, I mean it. Just if people listen to you, I mean it's. I think there's talk out there, but certainly if you're a head coach and you're getting paid millions of dollars a year, um, do you, do, you know does he have someone that's advising him? I know his dad uh, advised him. Uh, you know, uh, Kim Helton. Um, he's you know used him as a mentor, uh, but that's. Yeah, I I you know I'm sure they've heard stuff from our podcast and everything like that, but I don't think. You're going to base your philosophy on what the media or or analysts are saying about your program. I'm going to tell you, as a football coach, you got a real thick skin, but yet again, you've got to be able to be willing to listen to people. <clears throat> and I listened to people, and when I had people that I respected, I would call people and say, "I got this situation. What do you think?" Uh, you you do that a lot as a coach. I think you you look and you uh, you like certain programs as far as how they're doing things, so you pay attention to them. You visit them in the spring. I sent my entire staff, offensive staff, to BYU in the spring because I wanted them to pick up techniques and so on that BYU was doing. When they had Steve Young, was I had Randall Cunningham, uh, and Steve and Randall were somewhat the same as far as athletic to find out exactly how they ran their trap jaws and the different things they did, and they spent three, four days up there. Norm Chow was then up there, and and uh, it was very beneficial. And people sent coachings to our staff to find out what we were doing with things, uh, you know, during the off season. So, yeah, we, we don't call it stealing, but we do steal from other programs and what people are doing offensively and defensively, especially people who are doing it well special people who are executing well and taking advantages of what their reads are defensively and offensively and, and all this. This is the way you, you get better. No one person knows it all. And you try to take a little bit here from a little bit of there and you go to clinics and you speak with. I've learned more sitting in a bar, okay, one-on-one with a coach, coordinator, head coach. But we sit back, we have lunch, and I say, hey, coach, what's happening? And we talk about rules, we talk about regulations, we talk about their president, I talk about my president, I talk about my AD, he talks about his AD, I ask him how much money he's got in his budget for this, he asks me how much money he has in his budget for that, and we go back and forth because we're trying to improve each other's programs. Okay, mine, and he wants to improve his. That happens, whether people believe that or not, that happens. And uh, that's where basically... Uh, it's done. It's done that way on a golf course in business. It's done that way a lot of things. It's the one-on-one and networking where that happens. So if Coach is listening to our podcast, that's great. And he knows that maybe there's something we're saying, one thing that he hadn't thought of because he's too close to what's going on. He never thought of that. But, yeah, you want to steal from everybody and listen and get as much uh, information and ways of doing things as you can and then try to implement them into your program where you can. We got one last one from John and Brea. So he sent me a photo, Coach. He's like, I know this isn't good for the podcast, but it was basically Jake Browning from Washington uh, in the pocket, ready to throw a pass, and there was the uh, Washington tackle was about five yards downfield blocking somebody. 
So he said, um, for Coach Hyde, and so he was wondering, like, that wasn't called. There wasn't an illegal man downfield called there. He said, how much does reputation play and how officials call games? It seems that some teams uh, labeled as disciplined get away with a lot, while USC's reputation creates a cycle of double-digit penalties each game. It's from John and Brea. Well, I think there's a lot to that. And let me tell you why. Officials watch a lot of films, okay? They want to become accustomed to a team before they officiate it. And they watch a lot of football when they're not working. And they watch replays of games. And they start to form opinions on players. And coaches also are told before the game, hey, Mr. Umpire, come here a minute. If I'm the offensive line coach or defensive line coach, this kid, 77, holds every down. Every single down. I want you watching him. Every single down. Watch his right hand. He's underneath. He's holding every single down. Or you find a DB that's doing certain things. Officials do the same thing. Officials watch films and they form opinions on personalities of players. Some guys don't like guys that hot dogs, hot dog around. Some guys don't like guys that that are talkative or and cause those problems. Some some guys it doesn't bother. Some guys like teams that. Go back to the huddle that don't celebrate and do this. They like that. That hand them the ball. They don't have to chase the ball around and, and all of that. So they watch all these films and they listen to all these guys and they, and they listen to the coaches before. My coaches are a lot of times I would actually tell the officials, Hey, I want you to know this team chop blocks all the time. They've been getting away with it. And today I expect you to make these calls. I mean, so. You know, these officials have an opinion before the game starts because they've seen a lot of it. They've watched the films. They've watched the games. They've heard me yell at them, tell them certain things. So when they go into a game, yes, they have an opinion. And for them to tell you, oh, no, we have no opinion. Oh, no, we just uh, we haven't seen either team. We don't know any. They're, that's smokescreen, okay, because they do. And I really believe that. And I'm not an official, but I know that has to happen. Well, Coach, great stuff. I went a, little, went a little long, but thanks for uh, sticking with us and handling all of the questions that people sent in. It was good stuff. Well, buddy, I appreciate it. And I'm right now uh, going to re-enter Earth. Uh, we just been a complete cycle <laughs> during this hour around the world. You can hear by the, uh, by the uh, connection here. So you're ser- hearing the static again. That means we're right now burning the tile off, okay? <laughs> but we're on our way down, and I want to thank everybody for checking in. All right. Well, thanks, Coach, and everyone else. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.